What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Take two. <laughs> uh, so, I fucked up hardcore on episode 14 with Mike Castro, um, and we are doing this last minute. Uh, so anyway, I'm I'm joined by the wife again. What's up, y'all? And on the phone doing a regen, we got Mike Castro. Hey guys, happy to be here again for the second time this week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe this time there will be a lot less fuck ups, and I won't name drop the things I'm supposed to not name drop. <laughs> so I already gave you a shout out on Instagram. Everybody's stoked on this one. So. Yeah, there's uh, been a lot of good feedback so far. I'm pretty stoked about this They haven't this even one. Listened, listened to it I yet. I know, and they haven't even listened to take two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so I fucked up. Uh, I am running a new program for editing, and uh, I guess I highlighted a part that wasn't supposed to be highlighted, and when I deleted another part during editing, I deleted a whole 40-minute section. So, I'm glad we listened to the podcast last night while we were driving. Cause you were not, you didn't want to listen to the whole thing. No. You were like, oh, we just, we should just listen to it in the car and see what it sounds like while we were driving, while we were going out last night. And I was like, no, I want to listen to the whole thing, man. Aren't you glad you listened to the whole thing now? Stupid. <laughs> it's all Mike's fault. Well, well, I'm glad somebody listened. Well, it's my stupid dog's fault. We'll just blame the dog. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Mike, let's, uh, Let's talk about you for a minute. Uh, who are you? What do you do? And all that bullshit. Well, my name is Mike. I'm a shield service mechanic for one of the major Hollywood studios here in Los Angeles. I cover basically the entire Los Angeles area. Um, I got 105 pieces of DOT regulated equipment, about another 15, 20 transit vans, and 12 generators. And I'm in charge of maintaining all that stuff and making sure it runs and is safe and reliable. Hell yeah. Uh, what, what, uh, so let's talk about your history. There we go. I couldn't spit that out. Uh, I want to hear, I want to hear some more, uh, about how you got into it, like where you started at when you were young or whatever, how you, however you want to do it and what made you get into this industry. So, like pretty much everybody else you've had on the podcast, I started taking stuff apart when I was little, not being able to put it back together. Um, just because that's just what I wanted to do, just take stuff apart, try to figure out how it worked, how to try to put it back together. Um, I was about six years old and I pulled off an engine from one of those um, uh, edgers and try to put it on go-kart and got in trouble because I couldn't figure out how any of it went back together or the next step because in my little mind take an engine put it on a pedal go-kart it's going to work it's going to be a gas-powered engine and obviously that didn't work so moving forward my dad taught me you know just basic things around the car let me be out in the garage with him um then when I was about 15 they bought me my first car which was a jeep and from that that is the second that I knew I wanted to be a mechanic. Um, went to UTI out of high school. Did that for a little bit. Um, got out of there. 
went to work at a Ford dealer, then a Mazda dealer, then a Volkswagen dealer. Um, did GMC and Azuzus for about a year and a half. And then I've been with this company for almost eight years. I've been in the truck full-time for about five years. So let's talk about your schooling. Um, you know, right out of high school, you said you went into UTI, correct? Um, it wasn't right, right out of high school. It was maybe a year gap. Remember um, he worked at Magic Mountain. At Magic Mountain doing, <laughs> oh, that's um, work, working in a warehouse. And my wife said, um, she said, if this is what you're going to be doing forever, I can't. I don't want this. So she really lit a fire under me to go to school and make something of myself. Um, so when I went into UTI, I had every single intention of being a Porsche mechanic, actually, because um, that's what I like. I like Porsches. I don't like the big muscle cars. I don't like the super exotic cars. I, I mean, I look at them and I just don't care. But <laughs> I, I, I like the Porsche, the, the, hmm. just something about it. And I actually remembered exactly where I was and what I was doing when I realized I didn't want to be a Porsche mechanic. I was in manual powertrains um, class and the teacher had a picture on the wall. It was him pulling out an engine from a D9 because um, he was a, he's a retired field mechanic because he hurt his back and you know, everybody knows the story. Once you hurt your back, you're basically done. Mm -hmm. So I, I said, that is cool. I want to do that. I don't want to work in a shop every day. I want to be outside working in the middle of nowhere, working on big stuff. Um, no, and then just, <laughs> just while I was in, just while I was in school, funding and financial aid never just fully came through. So I, I didn't get a chance to go down, you know, the big diesel side. I just picked that up later down in my career. That's pretty badass, though. And I, I definitely want to give your wife like kudos to push you to better yourself, because I don't think a lot of people realize that if you don't have the right people in your corner to encourage you to continue on with something that maybe they see that you don't see in yourself you ain't gonna do shit right and my wife basically knew she wanted to be a nurse from the time she was little so she had her plan and her career path set versus me i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do major kudos hated, to her <laughs> I, I hated i hated school i, I didn't go to school you know, i would i would ditch and hang out in auto shop all day god dude i the more and more you and I talk, because we've known each other for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, a couple of years. I mean, I think I think we started following each other when you were still here in California. Yeah, and I, the more and more I learn about you, the we have so much in common. It's crazy. Yeah, I I'm just impressed, honestly, of the whole just how he got where he is at. In all honesty, because I mean, like you were talking about. Probably if it wouldn't have been for your wife, you probably would have stayed in the same path. But then the yeah. fact that all these doors continued to open to get where you're at. And you know what? I always think that sometimes not getting what you wanted is always a blessing in disguise because, man, I can't wait to talk about your job and what you actually do. Because <laughs> I, we were talking about this last night. I was like, man we need to do like a second episode. We need to do all this stuff. Cause mainly I'm just so fascinated with how you got your job and how you ended up there. Cause again, Hollywood black hole, 
never would have realized that this was a whole entire thing that someone could have done. Because every time you talk about Hollywood, all you think about is like the movie stars. You don't think about all the other little pieces that go along into making that TV show or that movie that you watch. Right. Not only that, just all the pieces of equipment that are needed to make this TV show or feature. Like I'm sitting out here in a base camp right now and I'm looking at, I don't know, 10 steak beds, five box trucks and a whole bunch of cast trailers. And these guys haven't even truly started filming their TV show. That's why I'm out here right now doing this regen. So that way they can get up and go tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the morning. Jesus. I don't feel like getting so, up that early tomorrow. <laughs> let's talk about something real fast that bugs me every time I watch a movie or a TV show. Oh, no. Why are the cars always in park? Oh, my God. <laughs> do you really think I that... actually don't have a lot of experience with the on-screen stuff because that's not what I do. That's a separate set of mechanics who do the picture cars. Those are the guys who get hired by the productions. I just work for the production, for, for the studio to maintain their fleet. But I do have insight on that. So what they do is they actually, it's either on green screen uh-huh. inside of a soundstage or they drive it up onto a trailer. Yeah, and tow it around. And then, and then tow it around. There's a camera mounted on the back of the truck facing inside. Mm-hmm. There's two chase cars following it, getting the side shots. There, there's just a whole bunch of different things that go on to a driving scene. Well, if you can... Go ahead and write it down and put it in the suggestion box for me. Sign it, Colton. Tell him, take the car out of park. I don't care if it's on a trailer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, this is I a, definitely this, can. This is a every... If, if I could, I would. This is a every time we watch a show or a movie, he will fixate on this. And I'm like, just will you just watch the show? <laughs> like, Does I mean, it really matter? That, I'm sure, like, all of us notice the sounds that when a truck starts. That's not the right sound. Yeah, like, oh my or God. like when there's a Harley yes. and it's a street bike. Every time one of those Cummins would start, it's like, that is not the right sound. That is not the sound of Cummins. <laughs> that, that is the sound of a gas-powered Hemi. That is dead on. Like when we were watching that TV show um, on HBO, what was it? Um, I don't know. Oh, my God. The, the, the making fun of all the religious people. Um, oh, the righteous gemstones. There yes. we go. <laughs> Thank you. Like the scene where the kid is like riding the street dirt bike or something. This dirt bike. A supermoto bike. Yeah. And Colton's like, absolutely not. That is not what that engine sounds like. Blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> okay, just shut up. <laughs> I want to watch the show. <laughs> like, leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. That, that's why my wife hates watching TV with me. And not only that, I have an up factor. It's like, you know, we'll be watching TV and I'll say, hey, do you remember that one time I had to go down to Long Beach at like 1.30 in the morning? She's like, yeah, I guess. I said, well, this is that episode. I was there. You know, th- <laughs> I, I, I fixed that truck right there in the background. And anytime I see one of our trucks in the background of a TV show, I said, oh, there's a studio truck. There's a studio <laughs> truck. There's a studio truck. She's like, oh, my God, just shut up and watch the show. Wait, have you accidentally been in an episode of something or like a movie or something? I have not. Um, <laughs> just because I don't like going out when all the production is around. I don't like having to, you know, everybody says, hurry up and wait. You know, that, that's the running joke because, you know, like you had the water truck the other day where you were supposed to be out there first thing in the morning and there was a safety meeting. So you sat in your truck for how long before you were able to run that <laughs> yeah. or get to that water truck? Yeah, uh, right in front same, of the gate. It's the same thing with me. You know, I'll pull up to a location and I find my truck and it's like, okay, you need to wait. We're filming right now, so be quiet. We'll let you know. And then You're a train that never happens. Somebody. So it's 
that, that's why I do everything when nobody's around. Sorry, Mike, I dropped my phone. He's a mess this morning. <laughs> so, Mike, okay. Mike, uh, how did you end up where you're at? Uh, I know you told the story of how you got your job. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. What? After UTI, where yes. did you, where did you go next? Did you? So, oh yeah, half, that's right. Halfway through UTI, <sighs> I got a job working at one of our local Ford dealers, and I would do that at night. Or I would start work around two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, and work until eleven o'clock at night. And at that point, I was driving every day to UTI, which from my house to UTI is about 86 miles. And I was doing that that drive every single morning. And if class started at 5.30, that means I was out of the house at 3.30 just to give myself enough time. Um, and then driving back home, dropping off my carpool, and then going to work and working until 11, 11.30. And I did a lot of PDI brand new cars install on Ford's, Mazda, Volvo, whatever the, whatever that particular dealership was selling. Mm -hmm. um, so I was doing that every single day, Saturdays and Sundays. I would still work the closing shift. I would maybe get a day off during the week. And if there was somebody dragging their feet at 10 o'clock at night, um, you know, do I maybe want this car? Do I maybe not want this car? I would still have to be there and wait just in case I had to put gas in it. I had to run it over the wash rack over at the actual dealer and get it um, um, detailed for the customer. But that, that was horrible. Okay, wait, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead yes. ignorance on this really quickly. <laughs> at 1030 at night, you can still buy a car? Well... I mean, if you guys are trying to go back and forth or, you know, if your credit isn't the best and they're trying to run it through a whole bunch of different credit bureaus and financing and all that stuff, you might be stuck in financing for three hours. I had so, no idea, in all honesty. Like, I I mean, I know when we moved here to Texas, we learned about how in on Sundays, what do they call it? I don't know. There's a specific term that they use, but on Sundays, car dealerships are closed and everything like that. Like, you can't buy a car on Sunday. And I thought that was insane because I remember in California, we could buy a car Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, show, show up at whatever dealer at 7 o'clock at night and say, okay, I want this car. And four hours later, you get out of it. Well, aren't we considered the Bible Belt where we're at? I guess, yeah. Kind of Bible Beltish. <laughs> I feel that's a little more east, like Mississippi. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> they treat it like it. <laughs> so so from there, where'd you go from the dealership life? Um, I bounced around that particular dealership for a little bit. That's where I picked up working on six O's and seven threes and just that's where I kinda got my feet wet in the in the diesel life um and then from there i went to uh the mazda store and i did a lot of heavy line there um doing a lot of speed three engines speed six engines rx8 engines and that's what i did primarily for about two years while i was there um from there the dealership opened up a volkswagen store and my manager my service manager at Mazda transferred over to Volkswagen and he took me with him to be a second foreman. And I did a whole lot of uh, heavy line there also. And that's where I really got more experience with the diesels because all the Passat TDIs, the Jetta TDIs and the big Touareg V10 mm -hmm. diesels. 
Um, and then from there, I wasn't happy. And I went to a GMC and a Zuzu dealer. And that's where I got a lot of my bigger engine stuff because all those were five, 5.2 little four cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I learned how to really do the in frames, do the kingpins, do the bigger brakes. Every once in a while, we'd get one of those big FTR series and that'd be a six, a six cylinder versus four cylinder. And that's where I learned about the, you know, the EGR systems, the after treatment systems and the air brakes. Um, Hmm. The guy I was working with at the time, great guy took his time with me, taught me a lot. And when I wasn't busy in the shop, uh, turning a wrench, I would go over and help the welder and we would build beds. We'd build stake beds, dump beds, put lift gates on, cut trucks in half, stretch trucks, do all that stuff. And then from there, wasn't happy, got this good job opportunity. And I've been with this particular company for seven and a half going on eight years. And a lot of that stuff has been able to transfer to where I am now because I've same thing. I've installed lift gates, I've built beds, I cut trucks in half and not one of the other studios that I know of does all that stuff in house. They all send it out to other companies. So why do you think maybe your studio that you work for is a little different than the other studios? Is it that they've been able to, because I don't say no, I was going to say, have they been able to realize the value that you're able to bring to the table? You know? Yes. Yes. We're sitting at a table. 95% of my work, I keep in house and I do it all myself. Because if I'm going to send something out, it's not only going to cost us money, it's going to cost us more money than my regular hourly rate. It's going to cost us extra part time, extra parts. It's going to cost us extra downtime versus, you know, if I send one truck out right now, it's going to sit at a dealership for three weeks before somebody maybe looks at it. Man, that's so, so true. If that's, if that's the case, I'm going to look at it first. I'm going to order my parts and then I'll get to it in a week and a half when I have the time to get to that particular truck. So my whole thing is let me keep my truck, my trucks running a hundred percent capacity. So that way I can, you know, if one of these production companies says, hey, I need this kind of steak bed, I said, yeah, I got it. Go ahead and send it out. I was going to say, that's so true. Because I feel like anytime lately, at least for my dealership, I'll say, anytime we send anything out to go get work done right now, it's absolutely insane. I had to beg, I think it was Peterbilt. No. Why are you looking at me? I don't I work don't, for you. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I'm trying to think of what the actual name of the company is, but whatever. The last time we had to send something, I had to like beg them to look at it because they told me it was like two to three weeks before they could pull it into the shop. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, yeah, we got a fuel truck out yeah. right now. It has a blown motor and it's been there almost a month. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Mike, I gotta, I'm got i going to stop yes. you for a second. Uh, okay. A lot of people are probably wondering what a steak bed is me included i think it's the can i can i hold on uh can i do the jeopardy answer sure yes <laughs> uh, uh, uh what is a steak bed it, i think it's one of those beds that has like the wood paneling down the side of yes. it yes that's what i thought with the lift gate maybe that's, that, that's exactly what a steak okay. bed is it's basically boom point for the day <laughs> Damn. <laughs> basically right now I'm looking at an F550 that's got two gates down the side of it, three mm. gates down the side of it that you pull up those off and you're able to load from the side and grab stuff from the side. And those, they load with 
cable or whatever carts and then they pull the big ass heavy trailers down the road hmm. um, so that's basically what everybody wants because they're good for on production for the carts to pull the trailers they're good for the construction guys to load with lumber material whatever else they need to um to build the sets hmm. okay all right well back to it so how, how did okay. you end up falling into your job position is there like a so, place I can go apply for this or <laughs> is this like a, you know, cause no, like we were, he's got a well, story. Well, like we were saying though, I mean, I would have never thought like if you're going to go apply for a job somewhere, it's like what monster LinkedIn or stuff like that. And, or on the dealerships actual website, but I mean, where would, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about this. Cause I wouldn't so, even know the first place to start. Trying to get, Try to get into the studio world. It's all about who you know. And I feel like that, that's, that's the real world, though. Is. Um, so I was at my mom's 50th birthday party, and they begged me to go to it. And my wife didn't really want to go. She was pregnant at the time. She wasn't feeling the best. Um, pregnant with our first kid. And just, you know, I was scared shitless going into it. Um, I was working at the Azusa and the GM dealer, not making a whole lot of money. Didn't have the best benefits or healthcare or anything like that and here we are freshly married not living in the best part of town um so my mom begged me and begged me hey you need to come to my birthday party you need to come to my birthday party and they introduced me to this guy and we got to talking he was asking me what i did for a living what i would do all of this and then he said okay send me your send me your um send me your resume i'll pass it around to a couple of people i know and come find out later that is the new director of transportation for my studio um so i get a phone call in i think at the end of august and he says hey can you start can you start working for me i said yeah sure no problem let me give my two-week notice he's like no you need to start here tomorrow morning <laughs> said Okay. He said, be here at 530 to fill out paperwork. I'll give you a statement and you can go pick up your tools, your toolboxes, and just come start working for me. I said, okay, no problem. So I go in, I fill out paperwork, I grab a statement, and I go to the shop that I was working at. And I said, okay, here's my last day. Oh, no, we need two weeks. I said, no, this is my two-day notice. I am leaving today. Yesterday was my last day, and there's nothing you can do about it. So he was my manager at the time wasn't very happy about that and he gave me shit about it and you know threatened to hold my last paycheck and didn't want to let me pull out my tools wanted to call the police and say i was stealing property it's like it's all mine everything in my toolbox is mine and that's uh people that's how i got into the studio world because you don't even have to give a legal two-week notice it's yeah, nice. I feel like formal. I think it's a formality thing nowadays. I feel like realistically, I, I, I personally, if a company can shit can you that day and walk you off the property that day, and not give you, hey, in two weeks we're gonna terminate you, like, I, I feel like the two week formality. But you know, whatever. I I I think for taking that risk, it, it sounds like you took a risk and it's really paid off. Oh yes. It's, it's paid off very well. I mean, I started there in August. 
end of August, beginning of September. My kid was born in July, so she was a month and a half old. Um, and then we were able to buy our first, well, we were able to buy our house in February just with that increase of money that I was getting paid every week. Wow. Especially in the LA area of California. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'm still LA County, but I'm a little bit north of actual Los Angeles. So, but, it, but the pricing house, the, the, the housing market is still ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, don't. Yeah. We living here in Texas, we were looking, we looked the other day at our first house that we lived in together in Northern California. It was 888 square feet. It was literally the size of our garage and <laughs> yeah, our garage here in Texas. And I looked at Colton and I said, we make really good money. And yet we couldn't afford to buy that fucking house. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a what? Three bedroom, one bathroom house and one car garage, yeah, one car house. garage, a little corner oh. lot. And I'm like, we couldn't even afford to buy our garage in California. We could fit like three of those houses in our house now. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, we could. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it, we still I mean, paid less. Same. Yeah. It's the same with us. We, you know, all the all the houses in the uh, in the neighborhood they're going up for sale, and we can't afford to buy them even with the money we make. It, it's just ridiculous. And I keep trying to get them to move. I keep trying to get my wife to move to. Um, Texas and she kept saying no I don't want to because I think a lot of that has to do with my mother-in-law who lives down the street from us who's basically been in her house her entire life so let me ask paid off and she doesn't want to go shut up sorry so let me ask because that opens that opens a good question though with what you do for your job do you have to live in the LA area or would they be able to I know obviously the studio is based in the LA area but you had kind of mentioned that sets obviously move all over the place. Would that availability and option for you to be in a different state and still work for that studio? Yes and no. Um, so I am a local 399 Hollywood teamster. Um, so if I was to move to, let's say Atlanta, which is basically Hollywood of the East coast, Mm-hmm. I would have to change. I would have to change my local number and reapply to be in that unit so if just, I wanted to go to New Mexico, which is the Hollywood of um, the Midwest. I'd have to change my local number, and you know, if I wanted to move up into Montana, Oklahoma, even if I wanted to go to Hawaii, that's all an option to still work in the studio world. And depending on the production, depending on who's running it, three ninety nine does have seniority and overseas and has jurisdiction on all these other parts it's just based on the production type production company production everything but as far as my job and what i specifically do no i have to be here at my current employer because that's where my trucks are Makes um, sense. if i wanted to go to the production side and work on the production cars that you see on screen that is a possibility i'd be able to travel but then I come out of my company-owned service truck and have to buy my own personal truck or truck and trailer or transit van, whatever I want to do. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay, well, I guess that answers that. That was good, though. That was, that was a good question. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I you think about it. I mean, is it something that's just location-based or if it would be, you know, because I, I, I love your New Mexico is the... <laughs> 
<laughs> the Hollywood of the <laughs> <laughs> the Midwest. The only thing well, I think of when I think of New somebody... Mexico is dirt and sand, and like that's it. Like I don't turquoise. Think, I don't think of anything that there's anything there. Like yeah. I mean, the times we've driven through it, it's probably the worst part of our drive every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a couple of years ago, somebody went in and bought a massive piece of land and built these giant stages out in Albuquerque, and that's where a lot of stuff is filmed and based out of and then now everything is going up into montana wyoming and um oklahoma that that opens the door for my question that (laughs) shut up so when we i was looking through your i was stalking your instagram sorry after we recorded last time and i had saw you had made a post about a stone that's yellow and um (laughs) Do you, <laughs> hey, last time I got yelled at for using real names, okay? So That's here I stupid. am trying to be creative here. And um, so is that a set that you've worked on or had any kind of connection to? Because personally. Hang on, a stone that's yellow that I posted. No, I don't do anything with that. That's nothing to do with us. That's nothing... Jesus, I don't even know what picture you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that has nothing to do with our production company. It's just a whole lot of guys that I know work on that. And they will call us eventually or every once in a while. Hey, do you have this kind of truck that we can take out to Texas, Utah, North Dakota, not North Dakota, um, New Mexico and Montana where we're filming. And sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't have it. But oh essentially... Everybody is just a big giant rental house for all these productions. I'm sorry, dude. Our dog is walking through our kitchen again. Hold on. <laughs> Clickety clackety. Yeah, you didn't learn from the last time and put little yeah. socks on him. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go grab socks. No, no, no. Oh my gosh. No, no. Screw <laughs> oh, it. Screw okay, it. Fine. We're gonna leave it in. People like hearing our train wreck. I, I, cause I, I, the reason I asked that is because I was telling Colton like I was so excited if that was the case because. I felt so special because as I was watching the 1883 or whatever, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been there. Oh, my God, I've been there. Oh, I know where that was at because, <laughs> like, yeah, they filmed it here in Texas, and somehow I had gotten lucky enough in my current life I've crossed paths with those locations. and Yeah, I've actually worked out on some of those locations. Yeah, <laughs> and so we were like, oh, hey, look at that. So and and kind of a, a scenario, we're almost as cool as you. almost almost but we do want to hear yes what cool celebrity interactions have you maybe had in your job and i know i had asked you about my personal favorite ryan reynolds (laughs) and you told me you haven't crossed paths with him and i'm still devastated about that i have not crossed paths with him um just because he doesn't do anything here in town that we might be associated with and might not be associated with which breaks and even then i don't even then i don't have a lot of interaction with people out on the set just because mm-hmm. i don't like being around them just because i don't like to hurry up and wait you know hurry up and get here but now you're going to wait another hour and a half until we're ready for you to work on this truck fair enough so that's why i either try to push it to the front of my day or to the tail end of my day mm-hmm. but um, we but we do know from but, past conversation you had met Jennifer Aniston. 
And I know, um, I'm sure yes, my husband have, envies I've, you. I've had a couple encounters with her. She is a lovely, lovely lady. Um, very nice. Always mm. has a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. Waves to everybody. She, she's just a very nice lady. Um, but my two favorite interactions I've had, um, one of them was at the very start of my career in this business. And it was the tail end of a certain TV show where they make a lot of meth. And the main character, so I walk into the bathroom, I'm standing at the urinal, and the main character comes in, stands two urinals over to the next, to the left of me, and he says, oh, it's a hot one today. Here I am. This is my first, you know, big person I've seen ever. And it's like my second week of work. I'm like, holy shit, I was just watching you on Netflix at lunch, and now here you are standing next to me. It's like, yeah. Yes, Mr. Uh, so-and-so, it's definitely going to be a nice hot day today. It's like, yeah, make sure you drink a lot of water and stay hydrated out there. Will do. <laughs> so that is uh, my very first encounter I had with anybody there. And then when I got into the truck, I, was, I went out to location, fixed a generator that was down, and my operator said, hey, have you had lunch yet? And I said, no, I haven't had lunch yet. He's like, well, Crafty is right there. Um, go ahead and make yourself a sandwich. So I go in, make myself a sandwich, put on the plastic gloves like I'm supposed to, doing everything nice. And then this certain um, bad Santa walks in and says, oh, what you doing there? So I'm just making a sandwich, sir. And he says, you're not making a sandwich, right? That's not how you make a sandwich. <laughs> I said, no, I'm good. Just, you know, turkey, ham, and cheese, and I'm good. No, 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 no. I'm going to make you a sandwich, and you're going to eat it, and you're going to like it. I said, okay that's that's cool <laughs> so i stepped back i let him make me a sandwich He's like do you like pickles i said nope well you're gonna have pickles do you like mustard <laughs> and mayonnaise i said yes i eat mustard and mayonnaise good because that's what you're getting <laughs> and, you know he was he's, he was a great guy it's all about it but, uh, did he put some french oh, yeah. fried titers on it uh no but he did give me a bag of them and then he uh and he did not tell me that it didn't have any gas in it or uh, cut it with a and it got no gas in it <laughs> uh, he seems yeah, like a so cool those are dude my two first interactions i had with anybody you know of notable stature so my favorite story is hopefully the one you're going to tell next uh about some boobies oh my oh that one <laughs> so it was uh it was around October or so when they were doing the publicity for the premiere of a certain group of individuals that hangs out with ghosts. Um, <laughs> Do they bust them? And Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they like to bust them. Uh, so I get a phone call. I'm on my way home. And he says, hey, these brakes are dragging. I can smell the brakes. I said, okay, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm here and here. I'm I said, okay, cool. You know, I just passed that exit. Let me turn around. Let me backtrack to you. So I get over there. He's parked on Ventura Boulevard, which is one of the busiest streets in my area, in the area I cover. And it's five o'clock. So I pull up behind him, turn all of my strobes on, get out. And I smell this car, just the brakes off of it. Um, come to find out that the emergency brake was dragging because the cable or something um, but you know what happened? That's what happens when it's a 1958 um, Cadillac Comet or, or uh, whatever the hell the ambulance is. So <laughs> I get out underneath it, and this group of people walks by. I'm like, hey, is that the real one? I said, yeah, this 
you know, this is the real one. And nine times out of 10, I usually don't acknowledge or I say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know for sure. I'm just out here with the production, whatever. So they're like, oh, can we take pictures of it? I said, yeah, you know, don't expect me to stop or what I'm doing because I got to get this going and get out of here. Like, okay. So this group comes over, stands next to this car, does whatever they want. And then I climb out from underneath the car, walk back to the truck. I'm walking back to the car to get back underneath. And the next thing I noticed, movies are out. Like, what the <laughs> hell? So this girl wanted to take the picture with this iconic logo on the side of the door with her boobs out. Like, oh, that's, that's a great way to end my Friday. Amazing. I just, yeah. I, I, this still blows my mind. This is the second time I've heard this story, and I still do not understand what will comprehend someone to pull their tits out over a car. I, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've seen a lot in my life, maybe not as much as some people, but like if I saw this car and I caught myself there because I was you about almost to said it again. almost did it again. <laughs> I was about to get banished. Um, I my first thought process would not be, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to stand next to this car and flash my tits." This is probably before oh. OnlyFans, correct? Oh my god! <sighs> no, this was October. Oh, okay. So maybe so she was maybe giving for some OnlyFans. I don't. But then. It, what kind I of mean, only Snapchat? Snapchat. I know I send Colton pictures of my boobies all the time. <laughs> yes. On Snapchat. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you must have a very like unique, creative like audience that you're trying to pose for. If Maybe. your thought process or... is car, almost did it again. Damn it, <laughs> car boobs. Put it together. Like, okay, all right. I have a service truck. That- I'm not going to stand next to it and flash my tits for you. It. Sorry. <laughs> like, Jesus. Again, not what, not the. Okay, spit it out. Not where I'm going <laughs> to randomly think in my head. Totally going to flash my tits. I don't even know when I would. You know what? We're not even going to go there. <laughs> like. All right. All right. Anyway. So let's get to the nitty and the gritty. Yes. Uh, what do you think the uh, the importance of shop class in high school, you know, and realizing college is not for everyone and all that blah, blah, blah bullshit? I mean, uh, not, not every kid is built the same. Like yeah. I said, I would ditch class and I would go to auto class. Um, what I've noticed a lot of, of the guys that you've had in the past episodes is they had like dealer manufacturer training in high school, which I think is great because what good is it going to do for me to sit in the back of an English class in 12th grade and just basically sleep the entire class? Yep. If that's not the cloud, if that's not the path I'd want to go down, then why are you going to stick me there? If you're going to make me go to school until I'm 18 years old to get a high school diploma, let me figure out that of the, of the career path I want to go down in. So auto class and wood shop and even drafting class, which for us was, you you know, using AutoCAD and all those other PowerPoint. Um, and <laughs> yeah, all those other softwares yeah. was great because I can model something on the computer if I need to build it. 
mm-hmm. you know, just very, very briefly, but Woodshop taught me how to build stuff, how to cut stuff at angles, how to put everything together. And now I just transfer that from wood to metal and I weld it. And AutoShop just taught me, you know, the big, good basic fundamentals of how to do things and just solidified this is what I want to do with my life. I think, so, I, I think, but, oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, you know, you're talking about computer programs. I think back growing up, my favorite program was paint. Yes. Um, me too. Me too. I'd sit there at the computer and just paint for like the just, paint thing on the my, computer. Yes. Like, like Microsoft paint. Yes. Okay. So like when I was growing up, I raced Mike or I, first I started out in outlaw carts then moved my way up to micro sprints and like my dream was to design my own frame and build right. one. And I always would make frames and sprint cars on paint and like just never followed through with it, I guess. But I wish I would have kept going and got the program to design frames. Never would have imagined that. <laughs> <laughs> so are you more, uh, what's the best way to put Since you went to school, you know, at UTI, are you more of a like push folks towards that type of thing? Or if somebody could get like an apprenticeship, would like, which way do you lean? Looking back at it now, I wish I would have known other routes I could have gone. Um, you know, cause there's a lot of good vocational schools and, and community colleges out in my area that mm-hmm. just never came into the high school where I was and talked to us about, some of these other career paths we can go down and some of these other schoolings we can go towards. Um, the only reason I went to UTI, honestly, is because that's the only thing I knew that was available for me to do what I wanted to do. I didn't know about LA trade tech or Pierce college or anything like that, that we have out here. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a longer program because that's just follows the school calendar and it probably would have been a lot cheaper. Yeah, of but course. If you can get in, to a dealer as a lube tech and they're going to send you to school go for it i mean Uh one of my friends who i started off as volkswagen dealer he got hired a little bit after me he was a porter and from porter he went to the wash rack from the wash rack he came into the shop to be a lube tech and this was after i left that he came in to be a lube tech and they have sent him to every single volkswagen manufacturer training possible and now he's one of the highest paid guys over here at the uh local Audi dealership. Wow, that's cool. And and he didn't go to school to be a mechanic. The the dealership sent him to be a mechanic. So if you can get in doing something like that, I think that's great also. But if you go to a vocational school of some sort, you just have that one, that next level ahead of the guy who's coming in with no schooling. So you could do it either way. Mm -hmm. So I guess falling off of that, I know you have a helper uh, how do you feel about like teaching guys, you know, if you have the time type shit? So this is the first guy I've had in my shop who has actually wanted to take the time to learn and do things my way. I'm very particular on how I want my trucks touched, how mm-hmm. I want my trucks taken care of. I'm very, very particular, which that's one of the main reasons that I keep almost everything in house. Um, but this kid, he's, he's good. He's 20, I think he's 23 years old. He's actually going to school to be a welder. 
Um, but a lot of the stuff he's learning and I'm teaching him, he can now take with him to his long-term career. He's just in here right now helping me. I thought you were going to say you're going to take it to his grave. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of awesome because if you think about it, it makes him versatile, which at the same time also makes him more valuable to mm-hmm. a company because yeah. the more versatile so, you mean, are. I'm, I'm just teaching him the ropes of, you know, the main thing of just how to work in a shop with guys who have been around a lot longer. So he, you know, everybody knows the unwritten law. The guys who have been in the shop for the longest time, they don't take the trash out. They don't sweep. They don't mop. You have, The newer guy, that's his job. That's the unwritten law of working in a shop with a whole bunch of guys. So he didn't know that coming into the shop. So I kind of had to, you know, hey, just so you know, I'm not expecting you to clean up after me with the broom. I will do my part, but I'm not taking the trash out to the dumpster. That's you. I'm not emptying out the filled oil buckets every single day especially if you fill them Mm, that's you definitely so it's it's a lot of these i mean look for me as long as somebody's willing to learn and work hard i'll teach them i I will take the time and i will teach them um the lady who used to walk the lady who used to watch our kids her kid wants to be her kid's 16 years old he wants to be a mechanic or he thinks he wants to be a mechanic Mm -hmm. and you know going back to their not being any shop class in school right now he's been hanging out with me once a month twice a month whatever working on stuff and he thinks this is the career path he wants to go down and i've let him do a lot of my side work with me just because i can't really put him in the truck for insurance reasons and bring him out to um to my locations just for insurance reasons so he's helping me at home do a lot of my stuff and he loves it so what do you feel like, because <clears throat> I know we, we, Colton and I kind of bounce around and talk about these things sometimes here at home. What do you feel like in your day to day for your job or just in general for your job? What do you feel like is the biggest struggle that you're having? Do you feel like you're having bigger struggles finding people to work for you? Or, because I know this is everyone's favorite to talk about, parts. Are you struggling more in the parts department side of it to get parts? A little bit of both, but right now it's definitely parts. Um, I am sitting in this truck because I just replaced a QLS sensor that was backordered for the longest time. So when I knew that these tr- these parts came available, I ordered 10 of them just to stock in, my sh- just to stock in the shop because I didn't know when the next time that I was going to be able to get them. Mm-hmm. And luckily I had, I had one on the shelf and I was able to come out here and get this thing out of D-rate and have it ready to go for first thing tomorrow morning. But I'm also having a problem getting the B7177 Baldwins or the LF3970 um, fleet guard oil filters for the common 6.7s. I cannot find them anywhere. So again, those I stocked up as soon as my guys told me, hey, these are coming in. I stocked up. I bought two cases of them. Um, And then oddly enough, tires. Because we run funny sizes on our trucks, like our bigger three-axle box trucks. We run funny sizes. I can't get a good tire, a decent tire in that size that isn't back ordered eight, 10, 12 weeks. I think the longest one I just had on one of my Peterbilts was eight week back order. Yeah. I actually just got those tires the other day. Yeah, we were talking about that last night when we were driving, and I had told Colton, I said, when you had mentioned to us that you are struggling to get tires, 
That absolutely blew my mind because I don't think that is one of the things, at least here in Texas, that we have heard about. And maybe that's just because I'm not paying attention enough or because I don't hear about it enough. But I mean, the biggest thing I feel like on my side that I see that we're struggling to get, you know, at first it was like anything emissions component wise, you know, aftermarket and stuff like that. You know, it seemed like we struggled to get that, but now it sounds like they're starting to kind of crawl back in again. <laughs> but I know for the longest time, we also struggled to get any ECMs because of the freaking chips and like... Right. Potato? No, not the potato chips. Oh. Sorry. No, those se- those still seem to be fairly readily available every time I go to the grocery <laughs> store. Anything that's good and healthy for you, struggle bus. Mm. But crap, it's there. <laughs> Don't you worry. Yes. Um, and like you guys, for the longest time, I had a problem getting anything that was an electrical component, like these stupid def, uh, def level senders, knock sensors on the, um, on the F650s and just, just a couple other things. But those I've started to see that now it's maybe a week back order or a week special order because it's coming out of one of the local PDCs for either Ford, which isn't even a Ford part it's coming blue diamond which is just a fancy word for an international pile of shit um <laughs> because that's when international was building Ford's trucks um like the f650s but yeah um but going back to the tires for me it's because i have a very specific purpose or very specific need i'm mm-hmm. not going to put a michelin on there when my trucks only go five ten thousand miles a year my trucks don't travel yeah. you know so ten thousand miles a year with a michelin or a continental or a goodyear i'm going to be throwing those truck those tires away because they they weather rot versus actually go through them um so i don't want to put you know a cheap ling long tire on there which i can get very easy so i want to put something like a hankook a toyo a general just whatever it is there and that's the t- those are the tires I'm struggling to get for my size. Now I'm going to have to really pay attention to that because that wasn't something I had honestly even, I guess, realized. And then the other thought process I had when we were sitting here talking because I'll have afterthoughts. And maybe this is a good thing that Colton fucked up the first episode. Love you. Sorry. <laughs> don't clear. Don't, don't get mad at me. I'm editing that out. <laughs> but then I told him, I looked at him and I was like, I wonder too if you have that extra struggle because you are in California where anything environmental is just an extra fucking hoop to jump through. And we all know Tires are not the most sustainable sustainable thing, and they're pretty, they don't just break down pretty easily. As far as that, I don't know, because I just return them to my tire store after mm. I go out and I mount them, um, and I just pay the disposal fee and California taxes and the FET and all the other crap that I have to pay for them. A penny for you, a penny for you, ten <laughs> pennies for you, and I'm exactly. broke again. <laughs> so I have a good one for you. Let's okay. uh, let's talk about fully electric cars Ooh. or, uh, you know, commercial applications. What do you think? I am actually scheduled to go to a big expo tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday. 
of the fully electric vehicle and alternative fuel and all the other crap that's out there. So in my fleet, I have one fully electric 15 passenger bus, and it actually looks like a big transit with a sliding door, not transit, um, Mercedes Sprinter mm-hmm. and with big sliding door in the front and everything. So my parts for that vehicle are interchangeable with the Sprinter if for some reason I need it. But this guy's main job is to drive around for 10 hours a day with the AC on, pick up people, shuttle them from the train station to the various corporate offices we have in our company. And at the end of the day, after 10 hours, he's at 25% battery charge. Hmm. And he's only driven maybe 40 miles. Oh, Jesus. I maybe, thought you were going to say like 100. <laughs> so that was one of the biggest questions I had once they started bringing these vehicles to us and saying, hey, you know, this has a range of 140 miles. This has a range of 125 miles, whatever, whatever. I hmm. said, okay, that doesn't mean anything to me because we are a very specific industry 120 miles isn't anything like these gas powered transits we have they will drive to location from location to base camp might be two out two uh two miles and they'll do that for 10 15 hours a day just depends however long they're shooting they just go back and forth back and forth back and forth and at the end they at the end of the day they've gone through two tanks of gas jesus so what is that going to be for an electric vehicle yeah. So that is the answer for like the bus that nobody can answer for me. I was going to say, I mean, I, not to disclose any information. So I'll be very vague. Sorry, everyone. But I, I do know from listening and talking to people within my industry over here in Texas that there's a huge push um, for electric trucks um and i've seen one of them they're very interesting looking they they remind me a lot of how they used to have like what do you the cab overs mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of how they looked yes. from the one that i've seen and we were sitting and talking with them and the guy had described it you know as one of those things where it was like oh yeah no that this will be great you know they probably get you know three or four hundred miles hauling a trailer and i wanted to go well is that trailer fully loaded? I mean, I mean, what are you doing? Is this flat ground? Is this hills? Like, what are we talking about here? Because, you know, to me, I still really feel like diesel is really going to be where it's at when we're talking about these heavier application, like semi trucks, because these more electric ones, I feel like they're going to be great for like UPS or FedEx or something like Amazon, you know, who they leave their warehouse, they make their runs and they go home. They maybe do 200 miles in a day. They don't do hundreds of miles cross country because I, I just can't imagine. And, and I'm, either way, at the end of the day, they have to get charged at some point by a diesel generator. So, I mean, we're not really eliminating the fuel problem. We're just creating another loophole. Right. And so that is one of the questions I've asked also, because a lot of my big box trucks have lift gates on them. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I get a driver that'll call me and says, hey, my lift gate stopped working. I said, okay, how much have you gone up and down with that gate? Oh, 10 times and it stopped working. So the answer is always start your truck, let it idle for 10, 15 minutes, and then go back to running your gate. You just drain that battery. So these box trucks, they come across the scale at 30,000 pounds on little ones almost 54,000 pounds on the big one. Um, Damn. And that's my big crew cab uh, tandem axles. And those guys carry just 
cable. Um, so they're heavy, but nobody's been able to answer if we run down the 12 volt battery for the lift gate, what can we do? I can't exactly tell the driver, go ahead and start the truck. Let the diesel powered engine turn that alternator to charge your chassis battery and your liftgate battery because I have those separated. Nobody's been able to answer that particular question. And not only that, when we go out to location, we're pulling these heavy trailers. Um, my big fifth wheel stake beds, they will pull two trailers to get out to location. They'll pull, you know, they'll take one of the big heavy trailers out to location. They'll turn around, they'll grab another trailer, they'll take that out to location. And then once they're set and landed, they still do runs throughout the day, just whatever production needs. So if this truck is constantly moving all day after climbing a hill at 54, 60,000 pounds, where are they going to charge? And it's not like it's going to be a fast charge, like, oh, my phone is dead, my computer is dead, let me plug it in for an hour, and then it's mm -hmm. going to be fully charged. Yeah. That's not, that's not going to work. The, the thing that pisses me off the most about this whole electric vehicle thing, like you can buy yourself a fucking street legal golf cart if you want, but don't push it on everybody else because, you know, they're trying to clean up the fucking atmosphere when you got other countries. I'm not going to like sound like a stereotype here, but, you know, a little bit poorer countries and they're still building cars with carburetors on them. And it just makes yeah. me so mad because it's so hypocritical. Yeah, I can't, I can't fathom. I mean, I know when we were looking at buying me a new car, I was like, Tesla, let's do a Tesla, <laughs> which was a, which was a really stupid, lavish dream. Jesus. <laughs> but I mean, I just look at that and I think about the fact that you're not changing anything. No. You're just changing, you know, where you're putting that money. Yeah, you're putting you're, it in different pots. No more gas, but here's your electric bill. Jesus, which also yeah. is run off of, you know, diesel power coal. and coal, you know. And, and uh, man, I just, what about, has anyone ever approached you about hydrogen-powered vehicles? Because I've heard rumors about that. I've never actually seen one, but I've heard rumors So not necessarily have they brought us a demo vehicle that's hydrogen powered, but my boss, his one of his jobs is looking at the sustainability of our fleet and figuring out what path we're going to go down. So he's just kind of dragging his feet until somebody brings us a decent powered hydrogen powered vehicle. Because the problem we're having in California is... Like I saw, I saw an article the other day that says California might not have enough electricity for the people of California this summer when people are running their ACs, doing whatever, doing whatever. And that's why we have the rolling blackouts mm -hmm. because they shut power off to certain parts of the grid to sustain other parts of the grid. So if I have a fully electric vehicle plugged in overnight and they shut power off to my location, what am I going to do? I'm going to have X amount of trucks dead that can't work the following day because there's not enough power to power these vehicles. Um, even though we have the giant winds farms out in Palm Springs and the giant solar farm out on the Nevada border, we there's not enough power to run these things. So as soon as somebody can give us a better fuel alternative to diesel and gasoline, we it sounds like that is the route we would prefer to go. Oh, man. Um, you asked Texas. Unfortunately, that is above my pay grade. 
I was going to say, you ask Texans about wind farms and <laughs> they get a little cray cray. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> so let me, let me ask this. Cause I really like this in the questionnaire that you had had. And I know I'd get, I kind of glanced at it the last time before we had talked and didn't get to read too much, but there's two really cool ones that you wanted to talk about. And I kind of want to loop them together. Cause I think in some ways they do work together. So, okay. you know, you wanted to talk about obviously the importance of shop classes with high schools and everything like that, but also realizing, you know, that college may not be the route for you, but words of wisdom for new guys. I think it's great. So let me, let me pose this question this way. If you could look back at your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? Would you change anything about the path you've gone on? Or do you think that you've learned so much that you can help prepare others for their future? We got Oprah in the house. <laughs> so, I mean, I was trying to think of a good way um, to pose it, but there are, two, there are two questions that really work well together when you think about it. Because a younger kid is going to be the future of this industry. And it's true. Yeah. These high schools aren't pumping out kids that have the technical abilities that they did when you and I were being pushed out of high school. I mean, I went to college. I have a four year bachelor's degree with a minor in pre-law and here I am working for Caterpillar as a field service manager. And if you told me that that was what was going to happen when I left high school, I would have told you you were high and to get fucked and I was going to be a veterinarian. <laughs> like, um, honestly, going down the career path, the only or the my path that I've gotten, I've gone to get to this place that I am. The only thing I would tell myself is pay attention to computers. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be Excel or just how a computer just works in general, just be open to computers. Cause especially with all of us, you know, we have how many laptops that we carry or use on a daily basis or just scan tool in general. Um, so coming up in the dealers in the dealer life, when I first started, I was always the guy, Hey, I'm having problems with the laptop. Can you help me update it? I can't connect to the Wi-Fi because all these guys were grumpy old men. And those were the guys who I, who I gravitated towards. That's why everybody talks to me on the phone and they think I'm a grumpy old man. Um, <laughs> pay attention to the dinosaurs. Whatever comes out of their mouth, you listen to, whether you know it or you don't know it. Because once those guys are gone, there's not going to be anybody else to teach the ways of the past. Because I have a hard, to be honest, I have a hard time working on carburetors just because I don't like them. I don't have a lot of experience with carburetors, but everything I know for carburetors, I learned from the grumpy old man at Mazda because <laughs> we would still get a lot of those older B, uh, the B200 trucks or the um, whatever was the predecessor to the Mazda 3 and the Mazda 6. So whatever the grumpy old man says, you retain that. Doesn't matter what it is you retain it. Man, that's, um, that's such good advice. Cause like we, I think, I can't remember what episode we talked about it on, but I feel like that's where dealerships are truly lacking is you've got these older guys and, and it's apparent. I'll speak for my dealership. We have a great group of technicians, 
but a lot of them are getting older and they're really starting to get closer to that retirement age. And instead of dealerships kind of looking at it and going, you know what, there's all this knowledge that it's about to leave the, like the force, the workforce here. Why don't we try to utilize it into like a training position and write it off in some way? Because I know, and I'll only speak for technicians I've spoken to, not just here at Caterpillar, but at Deer. When they go to a training program, like uh, training classes, you know, that they provide for you dealership wise, a lot of them want to slam their head into the desk because some of the guys haven't actually worked in the field and experienced what they've experienced. <laughs> they've, they're just there to teach, you know, and I think that'd be great to take these older technicians that have done that and put them in that role, be it you hire a new technician and you have this experienced technician ride around with this new tech for, I don't know, a month, get their feet wet, get them going. Cause there's times they've run into things that maybe this young tech hasn't run into yet. And they go, Oh yeah, no big deal. And the young tech's going, Holy fuck. <laughs> like I, it's kind of one of those things I think it'd be great to do instead yeah. of just letting that, letting those capabilities walk away. I, I agree. And that's why they should be the non-working foreman in the shop that just kind of doesn't have to worry about flagging hours and doing anything else that they have to do to make themselves a living. They should be paid a base salary hourly, whatever it is the dealership wants to pay them. So that way they can bounce around from, you know, tech to tech to tech and help them with whatever it is they need to help them and say, Hey, you know, I noticed that you're doing it this way. Can I make a suggestion that you start doing it this way because it's going to save you an extra half hour of time. Yeah, sure. It might look like it's more work, but at the end of the day, it's going to save you and it's going to save your shoulder. It's going to shave, save your neck, your, your, your knees, your ankles and your wrist. Um, Cause I'm 33. I've been doing this since I was 19 and I'm definitely feeling the effects of it in my shoulder just because I, I'm not a big guy. So if I lay across an engine, I have to extend myself that extra two inches because my arm isn't that length. Um, just just because I'm, I'm I'm not a big guy. So. Yeah, I yeah. I know what you mean. I my, my bones be crackalacking too, man. I think my favorite one oh, for yeah. you is you talk about how the guy you used to work for, I think oh, was yes. Elk Grove Mr. Garage, whatever. Mr. Carl, uh, Elk Grove Garage. <laughs> Sorry. No, we'll we're not going to, no, no, don't, don't name drop. Sorry. Uh, Here we go again. I'm going to get yelled at. Uh, yeah. He <laughs> use your, I forget how he said it. Use your wrist, not your fingers. Yeah. And now your fingers when you're are starting, time. starting bolts and stuff. And wish I would have listened to him because now my fingers yep. hurt. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I wish that we would see more schools realizing that college is not always the answer. I wish they would push more it's, to technical. It's not even that. I mean, you look at look at dealerships. Um, you know, they don't want to train the young guys. They uh, just like a fellow named Chad Biller. He was on the Sweat and Grime um, podcast, and he said it perfectly. They don't want to train anybody so they're going to look at other dealerships that try to steal experienced guys and try to pay them more and i think they just need to take a chance sometimes on somebody that's got some some sort of push that wants to be a mechanic it's so hard though especially right now i I mean i'll just speak for myself when i've sat in on interviews it it is so hard when you sit and look at 
people that are coming to apply for a job and how do you how do you justify sometimes spending that risk and mm-hmm. when you you know what you're paying or what customers are paying you essentially and i mean most of the time if someone's calling a dealership i guarantee you in this economy and in this day and age they've probably went the independent route already tried to work with someone who doesn't work for a dealership or even use their own technicians that work for them and realized well shit now I have to call a dealership because I can't get it figured out. I I don't feel like dealerships are the first call anymore. Yeah, I can see that too. I don't know. It's just, it's tough. That I agree with because what I've noticed out here is a lot of the construction companies, the fleets, they will pull mechanics out of the dealership and, and, you know, lure them in with, Hey, you can be union. You can be making twice as much and hourly not being flat rate so there's no pay especially for me there's no pay of being a a dealer mechanic that's why i went this route being fleet mechanic um so if the union so if the dealerships were to pay a little bit better and be a little bit more understanding of everybody's situation and how fast everybody works Mm -hmm. they might be able to retain these good employees who they've put so much money into it into with all the training that they sent them out for. But if you're going to continue to pay somebody $20 an hour at flat rate and not be able to have, um, the fuck is that? Well, the engine, not for sure. um, <laughs> Real life. Real life. <laughs> what you got yeah. going on? Are you still working um, on your region issue? Yeah, I'm still, <laughs> yeah, I'm still doing this region. But what the hell was that saying? Oh, oh if, if the dealerships were to actually pay a little bit better and actually have the work to maintain them, they might be able to keep these good technicians in the dealerships versus having them being stolen, going out to the construction companies on the heavy equipment side and, and the fleets for the larger, you know, trucks and everything. So they, they might be able to actually make money if they paid these mechanics a little bit more money. Yeah, no, no, I think, uh, I think the, the point's finally getting across especially in the past year or so of pay at dealerships because talking to all my buddies that I used to work with at the deer dealer, seems like they're making a lot better money. I kind of, I, I think well, maybe I caused a shit storm. I think you caused a shit storm, but I also feel like the, the turnover and the exit yes. interviews and I think HR is finally up their ass, honestly, because let's be real. If you think about it, the if we took the five, the last five people that have left that dealership, uh-huh. they were some heavy fucking hitters. Uh-huh. It wasn't just like, you know, sm- I hate I hate saying because everyone is essentially ideal, ideally important in uh-huh. that dealership. But the last five that left were some pretty fucking hard hitters. <laughs> yeah, it was a high turnover after I left, and there's still a high turnover. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I left, and then like. Bunch of couple other guys got out of trucks, went back into the shop. Bunch of shop guys quit, but I'm not spreading dirty laundry. That's enough. <laughs> so let's switch some subject here. Okay. You want me to go? I'll talk. Well, no, I was gonna say, like, oh. what questions do you have maybe for us? Like, it, you do do different than we do, but at the same time, there are some common factors. I mean. Uh- 
even though we're on totally different sides, like you guys are heavy equipment and I'm trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, am I your first truck mechanic? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, I got that one going for me. First Hollywood guy, first truck. Woo! We're going to have to send badges to people. Um, But at the end of the day, we all have the same goal. Get home back safely. That is our main goal, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's an easy day at the shop or a hard day out in the field. It's to get back home safely with all fingers intact, not any new massive cuts, which, by the way, my kids love when I come home with nasty cuts. They're like, Dad, what happened to your hand? It's like, well, I cut it doing this. What happened to that? Said the same thing. I, I, I did this, so that they're they're fascinated by the scars on my hands. And I've I've, I've you know since since my oldest one was little, I drilled it to her. I said, "Never be ashamed of Daddy's hands. Daddy does what he needs to do to provide for you, your sister, and your mommy. So yeah. if Daddy's hands are cut, bruised, scraped, covered in in oil, not ever clean, it's because that's what Daddy does, and that's the choice that Daddy made." So and and both of my kids and my wife they they are very supportive of what I do and the hours I work and everything like that. Speaking of injuries, have you seen the new OSHA uh, Instagram picture? The what? Where the guy was using the scraper blade and got his hand? What? No, I don't think I've seen that one. You got to go, go on Instagram. Yeah, here I go. OSHA. I think it's the OSHA is the safe. I can't remember what page it was, but yeah, he. He filleted himself pretty good. Is it the OSHA offender? No, probably not the OSHA offender one. No, I OSHA, follow all of them. Is it the OSHA is this safe one? Yeah, I think it, it's one of them. I follow all the OSHA pages. Oh. Um, but yeah, they, he got himself pretty good. I love that page. It's so good. <laughs> so uh, I kind of want to... You want to talk about truck organization and like stuff that you know oh, keep hey, in stock. Sidetrack. It oh, is what? the OSHA offender one, right? Is it, OSHA? is it this one? Yeah, it's that one. Yeah, OSHA offender. There you go, people. <laughs> uh, truck organization and parts you keep in stock on your truck. Oh, holy fuck! Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what I've noticed the main difference from the guys on my side versus the guys on your side is where they have their tools. Like, where do you have all your main tools? All your main tools are on your driver's side, right? Yep. Yeah. So, like, what I've noticed a lot with my guys in my world is they're all on the passenger side. Because yes. if I roll up to a truck that's broken down on the side of a freeway, uh-huh. I'm not going to risk my life pulling stuff out of the driver's side toolboxes. I'm yeah. going to go up against a wall and be able to get all my stuff safely, whatever it is I need to do on the right hand side. So all of my most used tools, well, pretty much all of my tools, my scanners, everything is on the right side of my truck. That's crazy. Man. Um, yeah, that's just something that not a lot of people pay attention to. And on my old truck, um, that's how I had it set up because I learned from you guys, um, how all of your trucks were set up being on the driver's side. So all of my tools were on the driver's side <laughs> and I had a couple close calls that's that's pretty smart. I said, okay, that's it. From now on, especially in this new truck that I got to build and customize to how I wanted it, everything is on the passenger side. Smart. Um, and then as far as parts, like what do you carry for parts? So no, I I definitely uh, going back to your you know which side oh. tools are on. Uh, I I've 
that's just how I've always known it to be. You know, when I first started at the deer dealer, that's when I f- went into my first service truck and my boss told me at the time, cause he was a field tech before. And he was like, yeah, you always put your tools on this side and then you put all your other stuff on the other side. And that's just how it was. And that's yeah, how I've was, always known it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, right. just being out with you in the field yesterday, when we went out to replace that hydraulic line, I mean, everything you had to get was on your driver's side. Yeah. I don't think you ever went over to the passenger side. I usually keep like, since my truck's so small, like all my three quarter and one inch sockets and three quarter inch gun, all that stuff is on my passenger side, stuff that I don't use often, but all of my other stuff is on my driver's side. But, uh, like me keeping parts on my truck, I keep more of the common stuff like fuel filters and, um, wedge lock quick coupler parts because we break a lot and that's pretty much all we run but nothing crazy um couple hi- couple hydraulic lines that usually bust constantly but that's about do, it do you have a do you have a big assortment of like nuts and bolts and washers and stuff like that yeah nothing find crazy yourself going down a home depot to find your fasteners no i i keep a lot of the smaller stuff you know more common stuff but i do have a bolt bin um, I keep a lot of like pin bolts for the excavators. Just the, just the stuff that you know you go through, right? Yes. Just to kind of keep your weight down and keep your uh, keep your stock down. Just the stuff that you know that you're going to go through, right? Yeah, and then a few light bulbs here and there. I keep a man. It's it's so tough to say, you know, what I keep. I keep a lot of cylinder straps on because we break the straps that hold the metal lines on on, you know. It, yeah <laughs> nothing crazy but i know you keep keep some stuff on yours and i love your organization and all your drawers and stuff that you have on your truck what do you keep well, in that thank, stuff thank you i appreciate that <laughs> do you, do you it, was it more electrical and stuff in those drawers or what do you got in because i know you got in that back box down below you got like two <laughs> cabinets with drawers <laughs> That that is the one happy mistake on my truck because that that cabinet wasn't supposed to be a forty eight inch cabinet. It was supposed mm. to be a thirty inch cabinet. They somehow added an extra eighteen inches to my truck, which I love it. But mm. those three pull out drawers gives me a set of twelve steels for that I get from Imperial. So that's where I have my metric fasteners, my standard fasteners, mm. my bump connectors, my zip ties, bulbs, rivets. You know everything I know that I need to not have to go back to the shop, grab something, come back out. Yeah, I have a lot sure. of liftgate parts in the, in them, um, like the brushes for the liftgate motors. I have switches for the liftgate remotes. I have um, DOT air brake fittings and adapters and stuff like that, that I know if I'm doing one of these 90-day inspections that I don't have to red tag a truck for because a stupid quarter-inch um, connector is leaking air and it's not holding air pressure so that's that's what i carry mostly in my truck i carry a lot of fuel filters well two sets of fuel filters for the Mm 6.7 super duties because it seems like the super duty is very finicky on fuel i've had you know just this past season on one of our tv shows i had two trucks go down because of fuel filters and i'm very religious on fuel filters i do my services at five thousand miles and I do fuel filters every single time. A lot of people think that's excessive, but I don't want the I don't want to risk anything because if one of these trucks goes down and it's during the daytime, 
that costs the production a lot of money. Let's mm-hmm. say it's one of these giant um, tandem axles that carries camera equipment. And this camera truck is going out to location and it breaks down on the side of the freeway and I can't fix it. I got to call a wrecker and then I just wasted a production half of a day on their location that they paid for. And so they kind of get mad about that stuff. Cause <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I understand. So, so I, uh, I kind of want to bounce off of this, you know, truck organization. It's the dreaded tool talk. Um, you and I had kind of talked about this the other day, you know, uh, we can talk about what kind of brands, you know, you like blah, blah, blah. But I definitely want to get back into the, the tool dealer talk. Cause I thought that was a great conversation. Um, so first of all, you know, diehard snap on Milwaukee, Pittsburgh. I, I, I do, I do drink that red Kool-Aid. I have, <laughs> I'm looking at the top of. I'm looking at the top of my box right now, and it's pretty much all red, uh, all Milwaukee, just kind of thrown in there because I haven't had the chance to organize it. But for the longest time, I was nothing but Snap-on. And it's not necessarily because Snap-on is the best. It's because of the dealer that I had. The dealer I had, he parked in my yard, and I saw him every single day. And there was, it didn't matter what time of the day it was. didn't matter what day of the week it was. I would text him and say, hey, you know, so-and-so, or hey, you know what? Fuck it. I'll drop this name. Hey, Julio. Um, I need this. And it doesn't matter if it was one socket or if it was a complete set. I would know that the very following day I would have it in my hand. Um, and he actually ran a truck for his boss who had seven trucks. So they had a very big or, um, uh, inventory that they could pull from and do truck to truck transfer. And I knew that he was always there to take care of me no matter what day of the week it was um and then he had a problem and he went to mac and now i still see him as a mac dealer and i'm buying mac tools which i haven't done in a very long time so it's not necessarily that i'm brand specific i am dealer loyal um because i know because like what we talked about the other day i know that this particular dealer julio is there for me no matter what it is that i need yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask the question, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I will plead ignorance here. I obviously don't mess around with tools like y'all do every day, <laughs> and I will tell you the only thing I've ever heard growing up most of my life was Snap On. We're buying Snap On, and that's it. And it was mainly because Snap On had a certain color tool that he liked, and I think it was like lime <laughs> green or whatever. And I'm pretty sure that that was literally the only selling point for him. Um, but when you do go to decide to do buy tools and I mean, even you babe, cause I, I know you buy off every other truck and whatever, but mm-hmm. is there, you know, you were saying that one person, I mean, is that really the selling point for you? I mean, versus buying say snap on from Mac or, you, you know, uh, following the dealer. Yeah. No, like, like loyal. Fo- yeah. Loyalty. Or is it loyalty more to that tool brand? Mm. So yeah, it, it, yes, <laughs> yes. I I would follow yes. a tool dealer even if he sold Harbor Freight tools. You know, if he was loyal enough, like I have a buddy that is a Mac rep now. He used to be a Mac dealer, like Mac Miller. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, he. Uh, 
I would follow him if if he became a snap on rep. I he's just a good good dealer, and uh, he was always good to me. Like I paid my bill on time every week, so he would give me stuff every so often. I do want to circle back because on our first go around when we all were talking about this, you guys were talking about how you know sometimes they don't show up consistently, mm. and yet they still charge your card. No, no, no. They don't charge your card without asking. Oh, okay. I've had that happen before, and I chewed the fucking guy's ass. Well, I was going to say, is that just like, because I know I am a person that I will not hand out my credit card for that exact reason, just because that scares the absolute piss out of me. Um, I, I mean, do they just do the inconsistency? Is it hard no, sometimes? No, we to- talked about the. Tool, tool dealers that won't show up or won't text you like, hey, I'm not going to be there today. Gotcha. And then they miss two weeks or whatever. And then they come back and demand a fat payment. Even though they haven't no, shown up. No, bitch, you didn't show up, so I'm not paying you. I'll pay you for this week. Anyway. Exactly. And and then, you know, it depends if you have a truck account versus mm-hmm. a, a credit. snap on credit account versus yeah. two accounts. You know, just however they want to split it up. Um, the only reason I have a snap on credit account is because I bought a toolbox. I, I wasn't in the market for a toolbox, but you know, Julio gave me a very good deal on a big epic. It was shiny. Pass up. So it was shiny. That's, that's the only reason uh, I, I bought a toolbox. Yeah. Um, so are you a, uh, are you a, a, a dealer loyal type person? Or are you a, a brand loyal type person? No, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely dealer loyal. Um, just because like I said, deal, uh, my Matt guy's not even in my area and mm-hmm. he still takes care of me just because I've dealt with him for seven and a half years. Word. And I told him, I said, as soon as you get your truck going, as soon as you get your route going, just make it a point to come see me once a month or whatever. And I'll buy stuff from you. Even if I don't need it just because it's you. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that is one of the arguments I have with my wife. She says, stop getting on the trucks and spending money. <laughs> but or, I it, or if I would bring it, home if i would bring her home a sweatshirt or a t-shirt or a pair of socks wait a second like, what'd you what'd you buy now wait a second but, you I know a lot of times sweatshirt. it's not even no. that i bought something it's just that i made my weekly payment every single week <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> hmm. so yeah i hmm, i don't know i i don't like talking tools <laughs> It just reminds me yeah, of how I mean, much money great. I spent over the years. It was great the, the first two episodes, but now it's the same question over and over and over. So we don't have to talk about tools. So, we can talk about something else. Yeah, because everybody's questionnaire, tool talk. Let's talk tools. Yeah, I, mean, like, I, okay. I didn't even put that on mine. No. And like, okay, what do you? What tools do you want to talk about? So if anybody comes on and they want to talk tools, explain in your questionnaire what you want to talk about. Have a specific tool you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah, like I think, we, I think we just touched on something that nobody else has talked about, you know. Yeah. Why are you, why do you buy the tools you buy? It's because I am loyal to my dealer. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. And, uh, the dealer I was talking about, I'm actually going to have him on at some point, uh, cause he wants to come yeah. on and he's a rep, you know, and I'm not going to be like, why should I buy Mac? No, it's more of, I want to pick his brain on being a tool dealer, tool rep. You, you don't want to ask, you don't want to ask him the hard question. Why should I buy some overpri- overpriced Stanley Black and Decker, uh, DeWalt that's just yeah. made a different color. Yep. Yep. No, I just, I, I want to yeah. pick his brain on his side, you know, and <laughs> like how hard, you know, I want to know like 
about chasing his money and stuff, you know, and it's because, you know, some of these guys don't pay their bill for a month and type shit. And, and then, you know, it's just, it's just magically they're always on a test drive when the tool truck pulls up. And not <laughs> only that, I mean, the, the tool guys, they see a whole different world of it. They see exactly. they see body shops. They see independent shops. They see the Jiffy Lubes. Mm -hmm. They see the dealers, the, the car dealers, the truck dealers, the heavy equipment dealers. They, they see all of these guys versus you know, versus what I know versus what you know. Yep. We only know our part of the industry. Yeah. And I specifically, we, so at work, I, I, th I think I talked about this in another episode, but we had a, uh, Mac scanner and I couldn't do shit with it except for check codes and this big old laptop looking thing. And it was a piece of crap. And I told my yeah. boss, this thing's a piece of junk. And he's like, okay, well, next time snap on comes in, you know, test out what you want. And uh, we'll see, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I get on the Solus, and first thing, you have a demo mode. And I was able to go in and do everything through that scanner, like everything. And I'm like, okay, this is yep. this thing's perfect, because we have a bunch of F-550s as our crew trucks, including our service trucks. And I wasn't able to do anything, because they have the stupid re re reductic code. I can't remember what the hell it's called. Right, right. And I wasn't able to do anything like tests or nothing, and I can do everything with the Snap-on scanner now. Well, I feel like yeah, those. I was gonna say I feel like it's gonna become a lot easier for a lot of these independent and you know, I guess kind of like what you do, not working for a dealership. I yeah. think it's gonna become a lot easier in the next couple of years for you guys to start working on stuff and doing the things that dealerships can do. Because last time I checked, that right to work, not right to work, the um. Right I, to repair. Right to repair. There we go. Yeah. That law was really starting to creep through, and it was not going in dealerships' favor yeah. at all. No, like, I, <laughs> I just I, I I wanted to talk about that just because like I wouldn't have bought a Snap-on scanner. I would have tried to go with one of these independent guys, you know. Uh, but I mean, it was perfect for what I was looking for, and the boss had no problem with it. So <laughs> swipe. <laughs> Swipe the old credit card, traded in the old brick Mac thing, and I guess that'd be a good question. And just while I'm brainstorming here, so I don't forget, if I don't verbally say it, I will forget. Mm -hmm. Whenever you get your buddy on, that's a Mac guy, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I want to know what they do with the trade-in stuff that is not their brand. Like, what do they do they with it, it afterwards? They sell it. They try to sell it. Yeah. They resell it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll give huh. they'll give you. X amount of dollars for whatever it is. And then that goes towards your account, towards your new purchase, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then you buy your new thing and then they try to sell your old thing. You know, if it needs to be, if it needs to be refurbished or whatever, they go out, they ship it off to whoever it is. And then they refurbish it. They get it back and then they sell it as a refurbished unit. Like I bought two torque wrenches from snap on that were quote unquote refurbished repos. Hmm. Because refurbished repos. I have no problem. I have no problem buying something that's been repoed i have no yeah. because the warranty is still there i have no problem buying something that's been refurbished because it's good enough to pass a quality inspection from whoever Ooh, another good one tool warranty that'd be another good one to talk to him about yeah we won't talk about that right yeah now. And no, not right now i meant i meant like warranty stuff that you didn't buy off of their truck even yeah. though it is a lifetime yeah. warranty i meant your tool guy whenever <laughs> that, that he decides oh, to come on that one drives me not crazy. michael <laughs> <laughs> oh how they don't warranty something you, you broke up a little bit. What was that? Oh, I, what drives you crazy? 
when you know i've had the socket that i started off my career with and snap on and my current guy will not warranty it because i didn't buy it from his truck oh, so geez. i had to take so i had to take the time out to send it in for warranty and get it repaired or whatever it is through snap on and then it was actually a ratchet that's what it was it was a ratchet from like the 80s hmm. um and i bought that at a swap meet so if it's something that obviously it doesn't look like you bought it off of their truck, there a lot of times they're not going to warranty it, repair it, do whatever it is. And that drives me crazy. <laughs> so we're sitting at about hour and 30 minutes already. Uh, okay. Do you, do you want to keep going or I know you're working, so I didn't want to. I mean, I'm I'm done with my day. I'm just sitting in the cab at the oh. AC. <laughs> so if you if you want to keep going, we can keep going. <laughs> uh, well, I you know I, I wanted to say you know what keeps you motivated to do this thing every day and your hours that you work and all that stuff and you know yeah. So lead the way. I'll follow you. So I just asked the question, I guess. <laughs> uh, so what does you know what keeps you motivated? And, you know, because I, I know you work crazy hours, so. The, the thing that keeps me motivated and going every day is definitely my wife and my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, there were four of us growing up and a lot of the times it was, no, we can't do this because it's too expensive. Um, and I know my mom and dad, they both worked hard, mm-hmm. um, to give us just better lives because my mom came from Cuba in 68 and my dad came from Nicaragua in the eighties. So we are first generation born here and, and I'm proud of that. But a lot of the times it was, no, we can't do this because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. And I know I knew they were doing everything they could just to give us a better life. So that's exactly what I do. I do everything I can to give my kids a better life. It's, it's a lot of, you know, I, I never wanted it to be the same reason that, no, we can't do this because it's too expensive. It's going to be, no, we can't do this because I said so. Mm-hmm. Or, no, we can't do this because you don't need that. You don't need blah 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 um and same with the wife you know i keep her i keep her spoiled the whole (laughs) deal i have with her is you can have whatever car you want as long as you keep it clean Mm -hmm. and Hmm. for the most part she she does that don't even there's she doesn't she doesn't always keep gas in it (laughs) (laughs) no sounds uh, familiar too uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) just the other day okay yeah, but that's why I spread myself. You know, I don't spread myself thin, but that's why I spread myself just everywhere. Whether it be the hours I work at work plus the side work I do at home. But, you know, my, my wife and I both agreed that if I'm going to do all this overtime and be out of the house as much as I am, I'm going to do it at night um, when the kids are sleeping and I don't necessarily need to be home while they're sleeping. I'm home every day pretty much at five o'clock during the week unless mm-hmm. something crazy happens like a, a, some, a truck goes down and i absolutely need to get to it right this second but that that's why i get up that's one of the main reasons i get up at one o'clock two o'clock in the morning and walk out of the house at the hours i do so that way i can touch all these trucks and Giggity. still be home by five o'clock <laughs> Um, and one of the other reasons I do that is because a lot of my production guys, they start work at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if, if they need that truck ready to go to roll at four o'clock to be at the location at five o'clock to start filming at seven o'clock, I have to be done by three forty-five in the morning. So that way they can roll. 
So, because that goes back to the whole, you know, if a truck is down, it costs this production money. So my whole job is to keep my trucks safe, reliable, and keep the tires rolling. Because if the tires aren't going, we're not making money. And then I have a whole bunch of people pissed off. So what a lot of the other studios and third-party independent rental companies, they'll bring out another truck, they'll swap equipment, and that might take two days to swap a truck out completely because these these trucks go out completely empty and then they put shelves and racks and then they load them. Just depends if it's camera or cable or stands or whatever it is, like some of these big tandem axle uh, crew cabs. Um, so my whole thing is I'm not swapping a truck unless I absolutely have to swap a truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I do the hours I do. That's why I do everything I do. Um, and as far as working on the weekends, it's because all these trucks are sitting here and I can get to them and I can do everything I have to do in a timely frame because here in California, we have to do, uh, our bid inspections every 90 days versus outside of California. Well, to the best of my knowledge, that's once a year as an annual yeah. DOT inspection. Yeah. So I do one annual, I do one annual inspection. And then every 90 days after that, I do my bid inspection. Um, just to catch and that's the one good thing i like about california they they force me to look at these trucks every 90 days so i can catch my tires i can catch my shocks i can touch my catch my brakes and just keep these trucks safe that's the one thing i like about california i feel like you're the only person that is going to openly admit that that is something that they like about california because i feel like most people would tell california to go f off like well and then uh, and then other than making me actually look at these trucks every 90 days i enjoy the weather that's that's the two things that well the weather is pretty much the only thing that keeps me in california yeah we're saying that right now as we're sitting in this house and it's supposed to be 101 today is the high with humidity and I told Colton this morning, I said, I'm not doing a damn thing. I will go take care of my horse later today. (laughs) Yeah, luckily I don't have to deal with humidity too much. It's just heat. That's it. So with the inspections and stuff like that, are you did you have to be certified to do these inspections and stuff? I got certified to do the DOT inspections um, at the last shop I was at. So... California says anybody can basically do a bit inspection as long as they re- they meet the requirements, which are you know your general knowledge of basically anybody that does have that can pass a CDL test can do a bit inspection mm-hmm. to my understanding, and as long as the motor carrier says yeah this guy is good to do it, we trust them. Um, okay. So I may be wrong on that, but that's the way I understand it, and that's the way I've been doing it for the past nine years since I was at the last shop. <laughs> yeah, I got you. So with that being said, uh, you know, you're a fleet guy. You don't have access to a lot of stuff. Like how are you getting your, all your torque specs and diagrams and like your parts breakouts <laughs> and shit? Um, to be honest with you, Instagram, we, you know, we're all friends with a whole bunch of guys who do yeah. a whole bunch of different things. I have guys who work at, at the Peterbilt dealer. I have guys who work at the Ford dealer. I have guys who work at, what else do I have? Uh, International. Mm -hmm. And that's how I get a lot of my 
torque specs, capacities, wiring diagrams. I said, hey, if you don't mind, if you get a chance. And a lot of the times it's like, hey, yeah, as soon as I get a chance, I'll take care of it and send it to you. So it might be the same day. It might be three days later. It just yeah. depends. Yeah, I get, and, I get that you know, a lot we're, too. We're all pretty, and I get the same thing. Hey, have you ever seen this on this type of truck? Yep. Yeah, I have. So we all, you know, we all help each other out because even though we do different things, we all, we're all essentially family. Except mm-hmm. body shop guys. <laughs> we don't associate with them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, that, uh, I've totally just brain fart. I was going to say, uh, you know, I've been, I get, I get asked quite a bit, you know, since I'm a deer guy, uh, I get asked questions a lot, you know, Hey, I've got this code. Can you help me out? Mm, that's fine. No big deal. Might take me a minute. But yeah, just because you have to remember or go back through your notes or whatever. And it's like a lot of with me, a lot of the weird stuff I see or part numbers that I don't buy too often that I remember, hey, this guy had a hard time finding this part number. I write everything down. I got a, I got like notebooks just full of useless information that makes sense to me <laughs> just in case one day I have to come back to that same problem. And I found this problem here. So I have one guy ask me, he's like, hey. You know, have you ever seen this? So, you know, I think I've seen this, but on a model that was three years older. So let me double check that and I'll get back to you. So I told him exactly what the problem was on a model that was three years older than it. And mm. it was the same exact problem hmm. and it helped him get back to it. Not bad. Uh, and no offense to the guys out there on these pages, but I've actually been starting to pull myself off of like service trucks pages and stuff on Facebook and you mean all the Facebook ones? I, I can't do it no more. There are so many because stupid it, people it's on there. A whole lot of arguing. It's not even that. It's just like like guys share joke videos. You know, like I'm I'm a diehard Pittsburgh guy. Like this happened last night, so I left the page because I couldn't do it no more. And a guy got mad and was like, "This is the stupidest video I've ever seen." And why would you do that? I'm diehard Snap on, and I'm just like, "You're so fucking stupid." <laughs> I can't and, do it. and not only that, what I've noticed on a lot of these Facebook pages, it's like guys are coming out there and asking legitimate questions because, you know, they don't do this particular kind of work. Exactly. Like I, I got stuck working on one of our forklifts the other day and I looked at the cylinder and you can tell that it was obviously dropped. And so I asked, you know, does is this going to leak? I don't know anything about this fitting. I know it's a JIC fitting. Is it going to leak? It looks like the mating surface has been bent and everything. And brand new lift, so, uh, brand new tilt cylinder on one of our forklifts. Mm-hmm. I said yes. Do not install that. But you know, if I were to ask that question on the Facebook page, I'd be getting attacked. Like, oh, you stupid idiot! Why are you even touching yeah. that? You know nothing about that. And and that's what I've noticed a lot. It's like just because that's not my particular field doesn't mean that I can't repair this correctly. Yeah. It's common knowledge or it's common sense. You know, I know I'm going to have everything down, no pressure in the line, go ahead and remove it, replace it, bleed it. Like I would with, you know, let's say a fuel, a fuel assembly. I would have no pressure in the line, replace it, bleed it, kill it. That's just common sense to me. I may Mm -hmm. be completely wrong because I said, I don't work on heavy equipment. I work on trucks. Yeah. No, I just, I can't do it no more. <laughs> I, I try to yeah. stay on there because, you know, the certified wrench and all that stuff, but I just, I'm slowly taking myself off of that stuff. Um, right. Which I'm sure a lot of people understand, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But uh, I think we should close this thing out, man. We definitely need to do an 
episode two, like a real take episode two. <laughs> uh, not yeah, one because I, mean, I can definitely think anything. of more stories yeah. that nobody's ever going to know or know anything about. But yeah, we can, uh, we can definitely circle back and have a episode two or true episode two. Maybe we can add somebody else in or I don't know, just something, something different. Yeah. But, yeah. Because uh, like you said, you, this is something that nobody has ever really known about all the all the stuff all the trucks everything that's required to make tv movies commercials whatever it is mm-hmm. um it's just something that i accidentally fell upon i never knew th- about this other than when i was talking to my boss yeah definitely no uh so do you got any advice for the up-and-coming guys or you know just whoever? yeah yeah steel toe the steel toed boots you know how everybody loves to have the steel showing because it just looks badass yeah one of the very first one of the very first things i was taught in my career was don't let that happen (laughs) because think about it all this oil grease coolant fuel whatever it is that we have that gets all over our boots Mm -hmm. now gets into our boots and now our foot is (laughs) soaked in it (laughs) yeah and we are now st- essentially standing in a puddle of coolant all day. So that's not very good. Um, and then same thing, just pay attention to the old men. Because um, once these guys are gone, they're gone. And they're not. And you're never going to be able to get the information out of their head. Um, some of the very first foremen I've worked with, I can still call and ask them questions. Even though it's not their field, they can at least break it down to me and help me look through a different perspective. Hey, have you already looked at this? Have you already tried this? Have you already, you know, searched for this answer here? So just pay attention to the old grumpy men. Um, and, and even though they're old and grumpy, they, they still have a heart and they know what they're talking about just because they're dinosaurs and don't know the scan tools like you, you might know mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they don't know what they're doing. But they know that fancy trick to make something way easier that you don't probably. Exactly. Exactly. Like, especially on the German cars, it was looking at this, like, how the hell am I going to get this out? They would say, oh, you know, just take the extra 10 minutes and pull, pull this part off order the gasket set for this part Mm -hmm. and then it's going to be just a world of a world of ease and a world of enjoyment versus hurting yourself (laughs) oh and no no amount of working on a truck or doing anything is worth hurting yourself oh yeah definitely Um, everything is replaceable except you perfect that, that is one of the things i learned also you said it perfect Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if if they, if you got if you got this brand new engine, um, actually a story from when I was at Ford, um, brand new engine on a cherry picker. Guys, going to go sling it back in. He's rolling it across the shop, going to go back into this truck, and um, one of the wheels on the cherry picker, the bolt breaks and it's going to topple over. Mm-mm. His dumbass tries to get in front of it and hold it from falling because it's a brand new engine. Jesus. chain ends up getting wrapped around his arm breaks his arm in i think two or three places hurts his back hurts his shoulder and he was out of work for a year and a half that wow. wasn't worth it yeah no way it, it, you you just tell your boss hey this is what happened um nothing i could have done to to save this i i, I nobody's going to ever be mad if you 
accidentally have an accident like engine slipped off of the cherry picker versus I am now out of work for a year and a half because I broke my arm in three places because I was trying to save this $10,000 engine. Yeah, but I think it's more of our brain going into panic mode and trying to avoid an issue. I do it all the time. You know. No, and that was one of, that was one of the things I learned at the warehouse. If these boxes would start toppling over because the bottom one gave way, get out of the way. Yeah, it's it's not worth it. <laughs> <clears throat> so that is that those are the two, you know, two, three main points to the new guys who want to get in this. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I definitely well, like where we're leaving this. Yeah, we definitely yeah. have to do a second episode because there's plenty more to talk about, but we're sitting at almost two hours, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I we're, mean, whenever you're ready for uh, part two, let me know. I'm pretty flexible. Uh, part 2.0. <laughs> part 2.0, yeah. <laughs> we'll do two more recordings yes. on episode two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, we're, let's go ahead and close this thing out. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, give my clothes out stay on the phone this time after <laughs> well you didn't tell me that the first time so now i know Fair enough. <laughs> uh, anyways uh oh uh, plug for yourself how do people find you uh find me on instagram uh mcastro51 it's pretty much just pictures of what i do every day my truck and my kids um, I would also like to give Happy Mother's Day shout out to my amazing wife. Um, couldn't do any of this without her. Man, and you just to you beat everybody. To my, mom, to, my, <laughs> to my mom, who has been supportive of me the entire way, knew that I was going to be a mechanic when I was under the hood of a car with my dad. And you know what? My mother-in-law also. <laughs> um, my mother-in-law has accepted me as one of her own kids and is just a great grandma to my kids. Um and I'm lucky enough to live 11 houses down the street from her. So you're just a happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there also. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. You just beat everybody well, on this uh, podcast. Well, I mean, might as well give a Mother's Day shout-out if we're re-recording this on Mother's Day. Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, with that being said, <laughs> happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I'm going to give this thing the closing out credit. You just won the award for the best podcast shout out stuff ever. I'm going to give you that badge. He's <laughs> um, got three badges so far yeah, today. <laughs> you win. <laughs> anyway, if you, uh, if you want to get hold of me or Mike or the wife or anybody, uh, get a hold of me at uh, certified wrench podcast at gmail.com. Spit it out already. Uh, <laughs> uh, you already know all the others. Uh, I'm not going to go through it all, but if you guys can, Leave comments, reviews, you know, I don't care if it's bad or good. Share. Share. Uh, I got the merch line out there. Um, any support helps and, you know, I, any reviews or all that stuff helps as well. You know, it, it, it helps spread the word. Anyway, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you guys having me for a second time this week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, until next time, you guys... Uh, what is the what does Buddha say? Stroke it easy. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> Whatever he says. But uh, yeah, man, uh, great episode, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Until next time, see ya. <laughs> <laughs>